Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. The GPCR receptors are one of the most druggable targets for pharma. That was really the genesis of Nolibio, is looking at this incredible class of molecules, cannabinoids, and how we can raise the quality and develop drugs with them. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome to the Cannamom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and I am so happy to have you with us today. That song still makes me so happy, Dave, you know, listening to Josh. Of course. It's like your son is always here, even though he's away. He's here on the yeah. show. He's actually, he's touring people. If really? You're in Mississippi or North Carolina, I think, and maybe Texas. What's the name of his band? He is touring with a band called Bird and Byron. Okay. He's just one of the guitars, a five-piece band. He's going on tour with them, but they're really a two-piece a YouTube sensation. I'm not quite sure how he got connected, but mm. that's who he's touring with. <laughs> cool. I love it. Um, and he plays so. guitar. Does he sing as well? He does a little backup. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's a guitarist by trade. He's a guitarist. He can drum. He can he can actually build your guitar, play your guitar, tune your guitar, whatever you need wow. with your guitar. He will make it. He will make it happen. Um, can he turn a really a mediocre guitar player into a, a better one like me? Perhaps he Maybe. could have that kind of music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you're a music dude. I mean, Dave, our friend yeah. Dave. He is not just a um, you know, a producer. He has his own music podcast. Right? I do. Oh, thank you. Or am I allowed to plug it on the Cannon Mom show? It it is called. Yeah, Pat- actually. I- 
It's called Past Tens, the number 10. And if you go to timemachinepod.com, you can listen to our music nostalgia podcast. Oh, excellent. Um, so I don't know if you followed me on Instagram, but I did a post yesterday setting up my new grow tent. It's in my basement. And um, I used the song from Liz Fair, Extraordinary. Do you know that? I don't, but I I should, I guess. It's, it's, yep. uh, I was in my car on Saturday, sort of in a bad mood. And uh, not the message of the song, which is about a breakup, but the chorus, it just... um. I don't know. It got me out of a, it shot me out of a bad mood. I was like singing in my car. So I am extraordinary. <laughs> I can pull it up. <laughs> um, I will. Anyways, I did feel that way after setting up my tent in my basement, me and my cat were down there. It took me about an hour and a half. And um, if you want to see me doing it, it's on Instagram. It was pretty funny. So this music. Not, not that part. It's the chorus part. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it in the background until it gets to the chorus. But uh, okay, that's cool. Good tune. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. You are extraordinary growing your own weed. <laughs> I haven't grown anything yet, but I set up my tent. So okay, well, you're on the way. Keep following me. Yep. That's so funny. Um, so again, it's through my friend Asia Outward of Trello Technology. If you too also want to grow your own, I want to be an example to you. Reach out to her. She's um teaching me. She can teach you. Mm. <laughs> All right. So funny. Um, let's see. Along our cultural lines, I want to give a um. I want to keep encouraging our audience to read Dave. So I have another book recommendation. Cool. Do tell. I well. I'm, I heard the author interviewed on Fresh Air because mm-hmm. you all know I want to be the Terry Gross of cannabis. So I listen to them daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book is called. It's actually a legal story too, The Great Escape. And it's about the exploitation of workers who rebuild after disasters. And I didn't know this, but apparently this is an entirely new workforce given all the natural disasters that are occurring on a regular basis now. I'm sorry. The title of the book is The Great Escape. The Great Escape. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm not great at describing anything really in movies. It makes my husband crazy. So I found a review online. So I'm just going to read it. Oh, good. Yeah. Go. So in this revelatory debut, Sony, founder of the labor rights nonprofit Resilience Force, recounts the civil rights crusade of 500 workers from India who were recruited to build for Signal International, an American oil rig builder under the false promise of a green card. Mm. In 2016, the workers arrived at Mississippi Man Camp facility, which consisted of, quote, sardine can housing trailers, inedible food, and broken down bathrooms. Mm. The next year, Sony helped hundreds of the workers organize an escape from the camp only for U.S. Immigration and Customs of Enforcement agency to try taking a page from the great civil rights movement, Sony and 60 workers marched in protest from Mississippi to Washington, D.C., where they staged a 31 day hunger strike. The workers also filed a class action lawsuit against Signal that concluded in 2015 when a federal jury found a Signal guilty of committing labor fraud and trafficking, among other charges. Yeah, it's called the uh, the greatest Searing. the great escape: a true story of forced labor and immigrant immigrant dreams. 
in America. Oh. Sackett, Sac- Sony, is that her? And, it's a she or a he? We don't, yep. Okay. Hey, it's a he. It's a he. Okay. And it was um. What I found, what I found very interesting is that these were skilled workers, very skilled workers from India who were rebuilding, like you know, they were metal workers and they were on rigs and they had like you know, the infrastructure of our country was being rebuilt by these people and they were brought over on a fraudulent scheme that mm. they would get green cards for their families and some of them they paid money, they paid money so they could get into this program and then when they got here they were basically slaves. It's in America. And then they really believed in their justice system, which is kind of the, the beauty of this. It didn't happen right away. But once they did get out, they actually did get some justice from the American system. I mean, maybe not they needed, but, you know, it wasn't a total failure. So don't that to people. We need humans. <laughs> Very <laughs> cool. Yeah. You can get the book, uh, of course, on Amazon, hardcover, Kindle or audiobook. So that is my book recommendation for today. The Great Escape about um, worker coming to America. It's a whole industry that's obviously growing because we're having more and more natural disasters, which is unfortunate, of mm. course. Mm. It always comes back to cannabis. <laughs> it, it, right. <laughs> so cannabis, you how I do this? Cannabis will save us from these nat- natural disasters? Hemp. We are talking about hemp. I am. Hemp is going to do things that we don't even understand hemp could do. And then once we get this plant back into the soil and Harry Andlinger or the government or someone has to apologize to us because they took it away for a hundred years and look where we are. Mm, that's right. Mm. The man's always keeping us down. But we're coming back with the woman, which that's is right. why I have this show. And today's guest is one of those women who's changing the world and going to help us make the world better through cannabis. So let's go. Ah, today's guest. Today's guest joins us from San Francisco, San Francisco where she is at the center of a new world joining tech and science and cannabis. She is a biologist by training and a serial entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience building companies at the intersection of science and technology. She is here today as the CEO and co-founder of Nelu Bio, the leading innovator in the discovery and production of the next generation cannabinoid ingredients. She is focusing her impressive skills and competencies to commercialize consistent, clean, and effective cannabinoid products for health and wellness. She is also the mother of two boys who was raised in Hawaii, but spent time on the East Coast earning her degrees. Here today to explain the importance of chemistry for cannabis, what the mission of Nalu Bio is, and how she has found time to be a CrossFitter with a very busy schedule. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Caitlin Krebs. CEO and co-founder of Nalu Bio. Welcome. Thank you, Joyce. Uh, really nice to be here. Uh, excited to chat with you today. And it's Nalu Bio. Oh, sorry. And, Nalu. And, and Nalu means the wave in Hawaiian or go with the flow. So that's the, that's the, the background behind the name. That's good because that was my question. Nalu Bio and... Uh, <laughs> But that's where it comes from. And what is what is the mission? The mission of Nalobio is to really raise the bar for cannabinoids in the industry. So CBD and other cannabinoids to make pure, clean, consistent, trustworthy ingredients. We are also oh, go ahead. No, I just that's that's an important part of this. We talk a lot about dosing and consistency and health and wellness. And if it's very inconsistent and you don't know what you're getting, that's not how it's going to work. So this is an important um, movement. 
That's exactly right. And we are also, in addition to kind of raising the quality and consistency and reliability, we're also developing cannabinoid-based drugs or therapeutics. And our mission is to replace opioids with cannabinoid-based drugs. So that's why, that's why, I, that's why I'm in this. Okay. Um, so let's start at the beginning. How did you first get involved and when and who is Phyllis Whiteley and why is she important to your story? Sure. So about three and a half years ago, I was, so I, I come out of healthcare and biotech and then several years ago, Phyllis uh, Whiteley, who is a friend, venture capitalist here in the Bay Area, called me up and asked me if I knew what CBD was. And being from Hawaii and also in this generation, you know, said, yes, Phyllis, know what CBD is. And she said, have you seen it? It's all over. People are taking it. She's like, but there's no science and data behind it. We don't really know what we're putting into our bodies and why or why not. You know, why, why is it working? Or if it's not, uh, what's the reasoning behind it? And so we started looking at the industry and realized like many natural products, they typically come from plants. But then the natural evolution or progression is to synthesize them through chemistry. They're more reliable, they're more consistent, they're more cost-effective. And so we started looking at, you know, starting a company around trying to raise uh, the bar for cannabinoids. And Silas, um, who, who's a PhD scientist, also uh, discovered or realized that cannabinoids bind to a receptor in your body called the GPCR receptors. And those are one of the most druggable targets for pharma. So pharmaceutical companies are very focused on this target. And so that was really the genesis of Nolobio is looking at this incredible class of molecules, cannabinoids, and how we can raise the quality and develop drugs with them. Perfect. So when, we, when I think of cannabis, I think of a plant, which is biology, and you're transitioning in this to chemistry. So how do you do this? How do you make uh, cannabinoids through chemistry and why do you think it's something of the future and why it'll be, um, especially for uh, pharmaceuticals, why is it specifically important that this be figured out for pharmaceuticals? So, Would they be called pharmaceutical visits? I guess that's still pharmaceuticals, right? So it's interesting. So on the ingredient side, just raising the quality of the ingredients, we develop cannabinoids. So we have a chemistry-based platform uh, and it's basically four steps. So think about baking a cake. It's kind of the analogy. Uh, there's four steps in the recipe. It's the same thing every time. And we get cannabinoids at the back end. Um, it's, you know, baking is very consistent. It's reliable. There's no variability from a plant. So when you're extracting cannabinoids out of a plant, there are many different things in the plant that you're trying to remove to get to the cannabinoid of choice, whether it's CBD or CBN or CBG. This way we're building up um, the molecule or the ingredient in four steps to get to the cannabinoid that we want. And so you can, you can uh, control that and it's the same thing every time. And so that's why we believe, you know, chemistry is a great approach. Like vitamins, most of the vitamins that we consume now, 70 to 80% of the vitamins that we take, they're manufactured, they're synthesized, they're they don't come from natural. Your vitamin C does not come from oranges or lemons. Um, and so taking that approach, there's a very natural progression uh, in many food ingredients. 
uh, to synthesize them. Vanilla is synthesized. Some of our spices are synthesized. Um, and so that's the approach that we're taking. And so what we do is we basically, we combine um, two starting materials and we get to an intermediate. Uh, and then we convert that intermediate into the cannabinoid of choice. So do you start with, how do you start? What is <laughs> How to start. I, I yeah. Mean, I don't, so we, my chemistry yeah. teacher in 10th grade, yeah. how to that good? So, you know, <laughs> how do you, so, what do you start with? <laughs> so we basically start with something uh, called fluorogluconol and it's a, it's a chemical and we turn it into olivetol, which is a naturally occurring, uh, it actually comes from fungus. We turn it into olivetol and then we convert olivetol into CBD or CBN. So it's, um, so what you we, can get this from a fungus. I'm like, Fungus are fascinating. <laughs> they can do everything. So or yes. So actually you could start with olivetol, um, dry from a fungus and turn it into cannabinoids. And the interesting thing is, you know, it's all chemistry. And so what we get out of our process is physically, optically, and chemically exactly the same as what you get from the plant. And people are always asking, like, is it the same? And it's exactly the same. It's like, I can see the charts. I can see the little things coming together, but I can't imagine my brain could not figure out how that actually works. That's amazing. All right. So the consistency and you're getting it. And, what, and again, so if we're going to get it from a plant, we have to grow them. And there's a lot of um, uh, um, input. You have to, you know, like, it takes a lot of resources to grow a plant. So is that another benefit to having something that is chemical rather than um, biological grown? Yes. So uh, driving cannabinoids through chemistry is much more sustainable. So we've kind of done the one-to-one -one comparison of a kilo of CBD. We use 700 times less land. As you can imagine, a land is a much smaller footprint than a large field to grow. Um, we use 70 times less water. We're not watering plants. Again, we're starting through a chemical process. And energy as well. So we use 14 times less energy. So it's, it is much more sustainable, better for the environment. Um, and it's much more pure because inherently there are no heavy metals, there are no pesticides, which people don't realize sometimes can exist in hemp derived products. And so it's just not part of our process. That isn't, I mean, part of the, you know, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Part of the beauty of hemp is that we'll take contaminants out of the soil. So if you need something that is decontaminated, it's awesome for that. But the idea that you may create something that's not a fiber or not like a hempcrete or something, you're going to create something that's going to be consumed. Seems dangerous at some level if you don't really know what your soil is and where you're growing it. That's interesting. That's it. That's exactly right. So I'm a big proponent of hemp for other uses, but if you're putting it into your body, uh, you want to make sure that it's pure and that you can trust it. Exactly. Especially for medicine. Okay. So we already talked about the G GPCR. Um, and again, so our pharmaceuticals, um, what else do the pharmaceuticals um, create that is for this receptor, is that, is that where opiates go? Or is that a, something, what, what else does this receptor good for? Yes, so so this uh, GPCR receptor, so they're good for um, pain, so opioids, right? Addressing pain, pain, inflammation, depression, anxiety. There are, as you know, cannabinoids, and that's why I got into this. When I, so I've been in, I've been in diabetes, I've been in cancer, I've been in different disease areas. And when you have a drug, usually it applies to a certain set of diseases, like in diabetes. Sometimes the drugs work for diabetes, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome. 
Or if you're in inflammation, it's good for rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune diseases. But when I started looking at cannabinoids, the therapeutic potential of cannabinoids, if you look at the list, it's like a hundred different diseases from diabetes to can't, right? You see all these claims, diabetes to cancer to weight loss. And so that's what got us so excited and got me so excited about cannabinoids. The therapeutic potential is um, incredible. And so what we're lacking in this industry is the data to support it, the true clinical studies and clinical trials. Um, but GPCR receptors play a role in many of those diseases. And so um, the therapeutics that we're developing have a potential to impact multiple disease areas, not just pain. So pain is one, anxiety, depression, weight loss. Those are all potential. And inflammation, that seems to be and all, the most da- all the dangerous ones are inflammation. That's interesting. Okay, I keep going. So again, this is during, we had a conversation earlier. So some of these things I remember you talking about that I'm just not quite sure. So um, why being hydrophobic an issue and what exactly is that? And how does it relate back to the CBD or the what you're doing? Sure. So um, cannabinoids are hydrophobic. That means they don't like water. They don't like to dissolve in water. And so if you're ever taken CBD or others, you know, usually it's in an oil, if you're using it for your face, or if it's in a beverage, usually the beverage container is not clear because it doesn't, um, it doesn't dissolve into water very well. And so what it means is uh, cannabinoids are hydrophobic. So it's hard for your body to absorb things if they don't dissolve into water. And so what most consumers don't know is like for CBD, for example, you only absorb 20% of what you're putting into your body. So if you're putting 100 milligrams of CBD into your body, you're really only absorbing 20 milligrams. And most of the consumer is that, products- is that, is that, is that regard is that regardless of how you consume it, um, if uh, edible or a tincture or regardless of how you consume regardless. it, that's exactly okay. right. And so um, that's I think part of the education of consumers is that if you're taking really low doses of these things, you know, twenty milligrams, you're only getting five. If you're taking five milligrams, you're only getting one. They're probably not doing anything <laughs> at that level. So we we believe you know a uh, hundred plus at least of cannabinoid is probably impactful. Um, there's a drug, Epidiolex, that's approved by the FDA for child epilepsy. That's 1,500 milligrams per day. So, you know, that's a very high dose, but it's effective. So there's a range of efficacy for cannabinoids that we believe. So is that, can I back up? So, yeah. So the, yeah. So the Epidiolex, it's, so is that water soluble or is that something special so it actually absorbs better into your body or is that, um, it's, what is that? It's it's not water soluble. It is just, it's a true um, CBD. It's produced from the hemp plant. So GW Pharmaceuticals or Jazz Pharmaceuticals makes it. They um, haven't worked on the actual bioavailability. As you can imagine, they're just pumping a lot into these adolescents' bodies so that it actually works. So, so, um, so are you working, is this something you're working on to make, a cannabinoid that is not hydrophobic? That's exactly right. So that's for, in our, in our our drug development uh, side of the business, we want to make these cannabinoids more bioavailable so that um, your body takes them, uh, yeah, you basically can absorb more of it that you're putting into your body uh, and it's more effective to, it binds to the um, GPCR receptors like CB1 and CB2 uh, more effectively. 
And that can be done through chemistry. And that can be done through chemistry. So we move molecules around. We move a lot of, imagine like a hexagon. So a benzene mm-hmm. ring, a hexagon. And then we add uh, basically groups onto that. We, we add um, groups that make them more uh, basically or less hydrophobic so your body can absorb them. That's interesting. Okay. We move, um, we move molecules around. I mean, there's a new show on PBS about chemistry. I've been watching it, trying to get back with my tables and talking about, I don't know. It's interesting. It's again, I'm not a science person, but this is really so fascinating to me because now I can see how it relates to things that I'm interested in. Now that I'm a grown up, I can see how it's related to things I'm interested <laughs> in. Kids, listen up. Okay. Um, so what is semi-synthetic versus pure synthetic? And is that an issue that you're working on or is it something that needs to be addressed? So the definitions in this industry, um, I think, need a lot of um, work and education. So even within, you know, our in- industry, within cannabis, people have their own definitions. So the way we think about it is there's plant-derived, so coming from the hemp plant, those cannabinoids obviously derive from a plant. Then there's what we do. We call it chemistry derived, but it's purely synthetic. So that's made from, you know, chemical starting materials, has no association with the plant. And then there's this hybrid in between called semi-synthetic. So semi-synthetic is taking a plant derived cannabinoid. Usually it's CBD, sometimes it's CBN. And then you use chemistry to convert it to the cannabinoid of choice. And the, the biggest example is Delta-8. Delta-8, which has created a lot of um, concern in the industry and noise. Uh, and, you know, states have put in regulation to ban Delta-8. That's usually taking CBD and converting it to Delta-8. Okay, so, so, that's I, semi, so that's semi-synthetic. That's a, so you actually understand this. Okay, so my, I'm not a Delta A person. I'm not quite, I, don't, I live in a legal state, so it's never been something I actually even wanted to use. So what, and I know there's a lot of controversy about this. Do you know any about safety issues? What could, because it's a different kind of cannabinoid that's created semi-synthetically, is that an issue for humans? I mean, do you understand any of this stuff yet? Um, yeah, so Delta-8 is very similar to Delta-9 THC. So it has the same kind of psychoactive effects, and that's why people like it. Um, what consumers don't know, and I get texts from friends all the time, like how much THC is in here? Because it's Delta-8 and Delta-9, and it's you really should be adding them up if you're, if you're considering the psychoactive effects. So if it's like five milligrams of delta-8 and five milligrams of delta-9, you're really getting 10 milligrams of THC. That's how you should think about it. Um, is delta-8 bad for you? It actually is, it does naturally occur in the plant in very small quantities. So not that it's bad for you, but the way people are making it could be harmful. You have a lot of very small kind of mom and pop shops that are trying, you know, growers in their garage office or in their shed are converting, you know, CBD to Delta-8. And that's, and that's the concern. The other concern is that Delta-8 is not regulated on Schedule 1 drug because it's not Delta-9 THC. 
And so you can go into, you know, a convenience store, a, a teenager could go into a convenience store and get Delta 8, which has the same effect. And that's what the regula regulators are also very worried about. Yeah, I just, again, I do worry about what's in it, but I also understand that if you're getting this from, we talked about earlier, if you're getting this from a cannabis or a hemp plant or wherever you're getting this that maybe have toxins in it, and then are you actually concentrating that one, like, is there a concentration of something that's bad? Are you adding, I just don't, I guess, I guess I can't understand exactly how it's created. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not that um, you're concentrating something that's bad. It's just that in the process, there may be byproducts that are harmful for you, um, which- In the process, okay. In, in the process okay. of converting it, in the process, um, if you are not a savvy chemist, in the process of converting it from CBD into Delta-8, um, it could be harmful. You could have solvents or chemicals that are left over that could be harmful to you. All right, that's good to know people if you're listening. Okay, um, moving on to the good stuff. So All I right, stay so away from Delta-8, by the way. I don't so touch do I. anything with Delta Eight. Uh, <laughs> just my personal. Just, that's my personal thing. This other things, and I feel like we're creating a problem that didn't need to exist. If we just legalized it across America, then we wouldn't have to like you know figure out if Delta Eight is where we could just move forward with what is good about cannabis. So, um, all right. So therapeutic potentials. We're talking a lot about this a lot. Uh, uh, you're focused on the one cannabinoid CBD. Or are you sort of reaching out? And uh, um, do you think once the federal legalization happens, when it happens? You'll be focused on THC as well, or what do you think is going forward? So we manufacture uh, CBD and also many of the other we call minor cannabinoids, but you know CBN, CBG, THCV. We're very interested in THCV as well. So our our chemistry platform can manufacture um, many of the minor cannabinoids. Um, we don't touch THC. That's one of the things that our customers really appreciate is that. Our CBD, for example, has 0% THC, you know, not, not just less than 0.3%, which is federally legal, but we don't even have, you know, 0.0001% of THC. And so for big... Well, that's I already thought about that. Yes. Yeah, so if you're, a, if you're a full spectrum or if you're getting it from the plant, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So it's absolutely pure. The, the other interesting thing between CBD and THC is it's just one bond difference. So we talk about, I talked about the hexagon, the benzene ring. So the difference between CBD and THC is THC has a closed ring and CBD is open. And so really in chemistry, there's a very small difference between CBD and THC, but the effect obviously and the biology is quite different. Um, and so, so we... we don't touch THC. That's not part of our mission or our goal. And we probably... Never will. We can make it easily, but that's not part of our mission. We're about health and wellness. And so, what kind of products are these? Um, who's using you? Are they the tank? Like, how, who's using your products? I guess. Yeah. So, so we are uh, ingredient manufacturer. So, any company who's developing a product with a cannabinoid in it, whether it's CBD, THCV eventually CBN, CBG, they come to us as their ingredient manufacturer. So it could be cosmetics, it could be food, it could be beverages, um, it could be supplement. So we are product agnostic and just kind of the Intel inside, the ingredient manufacturer inside. 
What test? And um, and and how are you testing this? Who are you testing it on? Who's doing the testing? Like, how do you how do you know what you're telling me? <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, so we have chemists that know that the molecules we do kind of NMR uh, spectroscopy, but basically it's a it's a graph, and we compare hemp-derived cannabinoids to synthetic. And the, if you think about the grass and the lines are right on top of each other. So we've done studies with Indiana University to show that our CBD, for example, is exactly the same. It has the same biological effect as um, our synthetic as the hemp derived. Uh, on our drug development side, we are doing assays, so biological assays right now. So first assay is kind of in the Petri dish. Next step is animals. Next step is humans. So we're in the Petri dish right now, um, evaluating the efficacy of our, our therapeutic. Exciting stuff. Um, all right. So, so many things we could cure. Let's go right to the cannabis thing, even though you're not really, well, I don't know. Are you a consumer? I am a consumer. Yes. I use. Okay. So you are. I, yeah. Okay. I use cannabinoids for many different things, whether it's sleep, skin, it's in my toothpaste. Right. Good. All right. So I don't like people in the industry who are like, no, I don't touch it. That's weird. All right. So you're a mom. You use this for your own health and wellness and your boys are like, what, seven, eight, how old are boys? Seven and nine. Seven and nine. Okay. Um. So when you're at house, again, I talk about it. I was a late converter. My kids are teenagers. So we had a very different conversation. Uh, what is your kid's understanding? What's the conversation like? And uh, are the parents really interested now that they know this is what you're doing? So my kids probably are too young to really appreciate um you know, what we're doing and what we're using. I do anticipate though in a couple of years, I'll get some interesting questions from them, I'm sure, as many parents do. Um, you know, I'm a believer in kind of the therapeutic use of it. So if you're using it for sleep or depression or anxiety um, or skin hydration, uh, I think that's great. Um, I obviously have no issue either using it for recreational purposes. I just think for kids, you know, we need to educate them. I think that's the number one thing and make sure they're in a safe environment to do that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No. So again, okay. So what was your background? Like, so when you're, that's actually good. So she's very smart people. She was here at Brown. So she came all the way out here. So your parents had high expectations for you. Um, so when you said, hey, I'm going to cannabis, they, were they good with it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I think, I think the fact that um, I'm doing it for, you know, kind of to replace opioids and kind of a larger, it's a large health problem, the $72 billion problem in the U.S. 121 million people are addicted to opioids. It's crazy. Um, so I think they were very supportive of it. The The off comments I get, you know, friends or other past colleagues, you went into weed? Like you're the last person we would expect to go into weed. <laughs> So, which is why it's so great. Comment. That's right. Yeah. The kind of comments <laughs> I get from folks. So I kind of laugh and giggle and say, well, I'm not really in weed, but yes, I, but yes, you know, I'm in cannabinoids. So <laughs> be proud. You're like changing yeah. the narrative around this. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, one more question. So, you're, you're a woman, you're a scientist, you're in this industry. I think that I have kids who are like in their 20s and doing their thing. And I think everyone should be in cannabis. So, what do you think about? science people what are you are you encouraging this what kind of careers are there what do you see in the future 
Yes. I mean, we need more, we need more science. We need more research. We need more data in this industry. So one of the most interesting things about this industry, which is very different than biotech or pharmaceuticals, is there's a ton of real world data on cannabis and cannabinoids that work for all of the different disease areas. And usually what happens in biotech is you have a drug and slowly there are clinical trials and it builds up evidence that this works. And we're going backwards right? We've got all this real world data and now we're doing the clinical studies to back it up. So we do, we need more scientists, we need more biologists, we need people who understand the value of research and development. And I was at a MJ Biz talk a couple of months ago and it was a whole room of scientists kind of saying, we need more research, like we should be doing research. And I'm just sitting there going, in biotech and pharma, like you have nothing without data and science research. So to me, it's, it's such a needed area in this industry. And, and you are kind of at a unique um, intersection, you know, uh, tech, biology, chemistry, cannabis. It's all kind of like this is, um, this is a pivot. I mean, I always talk about, I like talking about hemp a lot just because I feel like this is a thing that could shift from carbon to cannabis. You know, mm-hmm. like we can do everything with hemp, you know, and this idea that we're at that moment of pivot with the research and the people you can influence. and sort of at the level you're at. So are you seeing, I mean, where you are out there in California, are there people who want to invest in this? People who, what do you, what do you see coming up next in terms of sort of your crowd of where they want to head with this? And they, do they understand the potential? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a slow adoption. You know, there's still a lot of stigma, which is what you're trying to do, right? Remove the stigma, which I applaud. There's still a lot of stigma around it, whether you know, even though, for example, just talking about CBD, CBD is federally legal, um, but people still associate it with, you know, getting hot. And so, which it doesn't get you, as we all know, but, you know, it's, there's still stigma. And so investors, there's still stigma. There's another, you know, it's kind of like the weed comment. Oh, you're in weed. You know, there's another level of education and discussion. And, you know, slowly that's changing, but I wish it was changing much more quickly. I wish I wish the adoption and kind of the stigma was really removed. That's who. That's why we exist, so we can help crush that. So you you talked about opiates. So you know, I know obviously it's just in general, it's just a national crisis right here. But do you have a precision, you know, a personal relationship with this? Someone you know, or is there another why that goes with this kind of passion? Or can you just see because you've been in the pharmaceuticals how dangerous it is? This thing that we've approved for so many years, and now we're like, wow, we really created a big problem. So. Um, from an opioid perspective, I have several friends who are young who have had, um, you know, back pain, who are in motorcycle accidents, um, been prescribed opioids and can feel and realize that they're getting addicted to them. I mean, it's very quick, like some, you know, well-educated, high-functioning individuals realize that when physicians prescribe these things, um, they get addicted to them. And in fact, one of our advisors, Dr. Dino Beckett, he's in West Virginia. He's a physician. He treats patients who are addicted to opioids and loses many patients every month due to the opioid crisis. Like he's living and breathing this. You know, he sees that, you know, the pill mills, right? Physicians who are prescribing these and people are coming in and and uh, it's devastating. So yes, it's very near and dear to my heart. and. If you could replace opioids with a non-addictive 
um, solution that's as effective, um, that could be extremely powerful. And this is coming from a scientist in the center trying to, you know, again, we hear about this. I hear about it all the time, just sort of in my circle. I see more and more work being done sort of um, with veterans, although it feels like they're going to get access to psychedelics before they get real access to cannabis, which is unfortunate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay. Even, And I also have, you know, friends who are in the military, their husband, and they have a lot of pain and issues. And they're so, and again, this is where your CBD comes in. They're afraid to take some of the things that are made with full spectrum because they don't want to get tested, which again is another whole story about why you're getting tested for this. And it's so, right. <laughs> um, again, this we are owed an apology. Carrie Inlander took this out of our systems and now we're trying to fix it. You are one of those people who's back trying to say this is something that's good for us. We live in the anomaly of history and it's these stories, these little stories, one by one, individual by individual that's changing hearts and minds and that's how the policy is going to get changed. So doing and and that's proving that it works right that's exactly right i mean we have to show we have to show that's safe and that it works you know that's what the fda wants to see that's what um you know the usda wants to see you know from a dea perspective again we don't touch thc so it's all legal i mean it's it is it's each company by you know company by company individual by individual but there are more people from um, kind of science and, and chemistry background getting into this. And that encourages me. That encourages me too. All right, Caitlin, thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge with us. I hope I helped explain it carefully enough since I don't understand a lot of it. No, just, thank, thank I, you I think for it, having It's exciting. Me. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm all right, excited. So if, you wanna, I'm excited. if you wanna get in touch with you, if people wanna get in touch with you, they wanna try, you know, they're wholesalers, they're trying to create their own products. How do they reach you? Uh, Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-Y-N at nalubio, N-A-L-U-B-I-O.com. Caitlin at nalubio.com. Nalubio, people, nalubio. I always pronounce something wrong. All right. So thank you again, Caitlin, for joining us. And that's another show. So for my guest, Caitlin Krebs, and, and of course, my Canna Pro, David Yaz, and our Canna Mom Show team, I want to thank you. For taking the time to listen to the Cannon Bomb Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I am your host, Joey Skerber. This is the Cannon Mom Show, and we're a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your canna confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.